Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. I worship you, for you are good, and your mercy endure it forever. I worship you, everybody worship, for you are good, so good, and your mercy endure it forever. I worship you, for you are good. to be praised forever and you're greatly to be praised forever I worship you for you are great you are so great and you're greatly to be praised forever and I worship you for you are great you are so great and you're greatly to be and greatly to be praised. We can worship you all day because you are our God and there is no one like you. Good is an understatement to describe you. You are awesome in this place. You are awesome in this place. We worship you, Lord. For you are good and your mercy endure forever and you're greatly to be praised forever and your mercy and your 
forever and you're greatly to be praised forever we worship you in Jesus name we have worshipped amen 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 alright God bless you have a seat have a seat have a seat believers house can you put your hands together for Jesus this morning you guys are so cold <laughs> glory to God Alright, God bless you, Dimitri. That was, that was fantastic. It's like we rehearsed. And we didn't even plan this. Alright, that was good. Glory to God. Welcome to church. I feel like preaching this morning. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Anytime I feel like preaching, it's very dangerous. That's why I, I, I had to hold the mic today. Yeah, glory to God. Alright, if you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, please do your best to pay attention, okay? And try not to be distracted. You know, there's, there's you know, one million and one things that you can be doing, but... God brought you here for a particular reason, so we want to make the best of this. All right, does anybody know what's happening next Sunday? Yeah. Next Sunday? All right. Okay. The bottom line is that don't come here empty-handed if you're a man. If you're a man, don't come here empty-handed. And this is a good time for, you know, prospective mothers too. If there is a prospective mother that the Lord has... Let me not go there. Let me not, let me not go there. Are you ready for the word this morning? Okay. All right. Let's say this together. Say every day and in every way, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say, in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we've come before your word again today like people that have found a great treasure. We ask for eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear his voice. Hearts that understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus Christ is in us. I ask that you anoint me afresh and my lips of clay today. Let your word come unhindered and unchecked by any demonic force. At the end of this message, let everybody be edified and let your name alone be glorified because the devil is already terrified. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, uh, Acts chapter number five, we're on part four of Ecclesia. This series, we're wrapping it up today. Uh, so let's go to Acts chapter number five. I'm going to read from verse one to verse 11. Acts chapter 5 from verse 1 to 11. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Somebody say they sold a possession. So it was their possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. So this was the issue. You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing those words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. I bet he did. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? So he's repeating to us what the real issue here was, um, to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear 
came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. You're going to look at your neighbor and help me tell them my title this morning. Would you join this church? So this church that we just read about now, would you join this church? That's what I want to speak about today. Would you join this church? Just imagine for a minute that what we just read happened in the year 2023. This church will probably be closed down. There will be an investigation. In fact, the pastor, the first arrest the pastor and put him in cuffs, put him in the back of the, of the cop car and take him away. Uh, okay, and then they will open an investigation and then you see news headlines. Couples collapse and die after donating life savings to mega church pastor. That will be the headline. Yeah, couple collapse after donating life savings to mega church pastor. So this story just shows us that the early church upon which that we are standing um, was not a playground. Uh, it was not a playground. There was no messing around. It was not a, it was not a joke. Uh, they were not there playing games. It was serious stuff. Serious stuff. Serious to the fact that none of them dared test the Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit was in charge of the church. The Holy Spirit was what? In charge of the church. Someone said something that was very instructive. He said, if, if we take away the Holy Spirit from the early church, listen to this, if we remove the Holy Spirit from the early church, we would have removed 95% of what they were doing. But that if we remove the Holy Spirit from today's church, we will be left with 95% of what we are doing. That's very dangerous. That's very sad. And if you think about it, it's not because these things were done deliberately. It was because gradually there, there came a slide, uh, a deviation. And if we don't consciously and deliberately train ourselves to go back into the scriptures and be reintroduced to the church, we will go astray. Look, on a good day, a ship or a boat on water without an anchor will drift on a good day day. There's no storm. <laughs> it's a good day. Leave a boat on water, it will drift. That's just the way it is. So let's reintroduce ourselves to this church that we are a part of. Let's go back to Acts chapter number two and see what was actually going on, what they were actually doing. From verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Can you say that? One accord. One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So this was the beginning. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And, they, and there were dwelling in, Jer in, in Jerusalem Jews, dev devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, where are we? The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galilean? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? Persians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. 
Because people will always ex- explain away anything that they don't understand. So they said they were, they were full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Glory to God. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the church that we are part of. This is how the church was born, by the Holy Spirit's arrival. There was no church without the Holy Spirit. Let me take you through a little bit of, you know, church history. Nothing too deep, okay? The church of Jesus has been through a lot since this this incident. It has been through a lot. There's been several attempts to quench the church. There have been kings who said, over my dead body, these Christians, they they are going. They are going to be eradicated from the face of the earth. There have been so many attempts. There have been times when Christians were literally used as sports in gymnasiums and they will be fed to lions and people will be cheering. That's what this faith has been through. But it has stood the test of time. There have been major revivals. There have been localized ones and it has stood through the years. Now, after Jesus ascended, the church flourished until around AD 600. That's what we are told. And then it seemed as if the work of the Holy Spirit began to diminish. Because the, the early force that propelled the church was the Holy Spirit. But when around that AD 600, when you know, there was a slight deviation from the Holy Spirit, the focus on the Holy Spirit, things began to look funny until the Reformation in the 16th, in the 16th century. You know, you know about the Reformation. You know about Martin Luther. You know about D.L. Moody, George Whitefield, all of these guys. Then the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit began to reappear into the church. Because those were the people that were pushing uh, um, the, the work of the Charles Finney, all these guys. And if you don't know these names, you, you need work. You have work to do. You've got to know this stuff, man. Like there's, there's, because there's a lot that has gone on in what we are a part of that you need to understand. Let me not bore you. So from around the year 1900, the whole world began again to receive the Holy Spirit. And then the, what was called the latter rain came into the church. And from since that time, it has been upward and forward. Upward and forward. And that is the church that you and I are a part of. Don't let anybody deceive you by telling you that the church is in decline. If what you believe is that the church is in decline, you are listening to the wrong voices. Because that's what they want you to believe. They want you to believe that, oh, half of America no longer goes to church. Oh, they just don't married. But yet, you see, week after week, if, if it's not your focus, you will not know. If all you are listening to is secular music, you will not know. But week after week, churches are packed out with people. And we're not even just talking churches with numbers. We're talking about even small churches that, that are experiencing the move of God. Even in this, our nation of Canada, there are pockets of churches all across this nation that in the next 15 years, they will be the ones in the, in the, in the forefront of this thing. But right now, you don't, know, you don't know who they are. One of them is Believer's House. Yeah, but you don't know who they are. And they are scattered across this country. That in, in 10, 20 years' time, you will just see that, where did these people come from? And that's what people call overnight success. Uh, but they don't know that overnight success spent the, all night not sleeping. <laughs> that is nothing called overnight success. My pastor always says that overnight, his own overnight success took him 19 years. Now, that's the meaning of overnight. When he, when he showed up on the radar, everybody said, oh, that, 19 years. That's the meaning of overnight success. So all I'm saying is that the church that you and I are a part of is going nowhere. Tell somebody beside you, going nowhere. Going nowhere. The church is going nowhere. If it was going to go away, it would have gone since. Since. Yeah. What is going on right now and the efforts of the world to, to truncate the church? As, look, it's nothing compared to what the church has already been through. Nothing compared to it. Nothing. Nothing. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This is the assurance that we have from Jesus. He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Uh, so, however, as the church of Jesus, we have to be careful 
about the methods with which we are building the church along with Jesus. We have to be very careful. That is very, very critical because if we are not careful, what will happen is that we'll find ourselves in that place where we are no longer focusing on the Holy Spirit and then we need another revival. We need another move of God, you know, and all those things. Do that. No, 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 no. But if we stay focused and we are doing what the master asks us to do, the church will always move forward. So we need to ask ourselves continually, whose method are we using to grow the church? Whose method? Very important question. It's like the two ministers that were having an argument. Uh, they were from two separate denominations. So they were arguing about what is the right way to build the church and to grow the church. They were Our way is the right one. No, you people don't know what you're doing. Your own is wrong. They argued and argued and argued. After a while, one of the pastors told the other one, let's stop arguing. You know, we're just arguing. We're on the same team. There's no need to argue. You go and do it your way. Me, I'll do it the right way. So even though he was trying to solve the argument, he was still claiming that his own way is the right way. <laughs> and that's the problem that we have. But honestly, the truth of the matter is that there is only one right way. And that way is the Bible way. The Bible way. That is the right way. There is no, nobody can claim that. Oh, I know, no, no, no. We must always come back. I tell people all the time, there is literally a book. We don't make stuff up. <laughs> there is a book that you, all you have to do is look into it. Whatever you don't find in it, stay away. Don't make stuff up. Don't make it up because it looks good or you think it's going to work on people emotionally. Then we start, you know, manipulating things. Look into the book. And when we look into the book, what we find is that the Holy Spirit was the one in charge of the church. Jesus also said, I will send you the comforter, one who is like me. He said that in John 14. If we can look at that, John chapter 14 from verse 16 to 17. Here is what it says. And I will pray the Father. So it started with a prayer. This is what Jesus is saying. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. I've taught this in, before in the past. When he said another helper, he was literally saying another one who is exactly like me. That is the person that is coming. So the Holy Spirit is here to look after the church until Jesus returns. But we need to allow him to do that. That is the problem. We must, we must consciously and deliberately allow him to do so. Because it is as many as are led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit. These are the heroes of God. These are the mature sons of God. The people that are led by the Spirit. Not as many as are led by the schedule or led by the budget. It's those who are led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit must be allowed to be in charge of the church for it to be the church of Jesus Christ. So this morning we want to look at what was the early church known for? I want to share with you three things that the early church was known for from the Bible. So we will go into the Bible and we will look at the things that stood them out. What was it that they were actually practicing that made this thing become what it is? Number one, in the early church, there was a commitment to holiness. Number one, commitment to holiness. We see that in the story we read at the start. That, that was not uh, an attempt of the Holy Spirit to just show that he can kill anybody. No, no, no. It was... There was, a, there was a holy holiness about the church that the Spirit of God was trying to preserve. The church of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts was known for their unapologetic commitment to holiness. Some of the things we will share today, you probably haven't thought about it like this. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 again and we'll go to verse 36 and go all the way to verse 41. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, Acts 2, 36 to 41, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were caught to, their, to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, 
what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So Peter wasn't mincing words when he was, was preaching this message. Yet 3,000 people were added on that day. So he wasn't sugarcoating it. He was, he, was, he was calling them perverse, that this is exactly what you are. Like what's going on in society today, and we are, we are all so careful not to call a spade a spade, but to refer to it as an agricultural instrument. So we, we, instead of calling something fornication, you say they are, you know it. You know, and we have all these names for them, all these names. I, I had an affair. No, 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 no. You are, you are, you are in adultery. Adultery is what it is. Say, no, it was just an affair. It was just a fling. I'll fling you out of here, but let's just go. So they were so holy and unashamed about it that nobody in his right mind joined them by himself. I'll show you that now. That's the reason why he said, the Lord eh, added to the church. Let's look at it. No one. He said, nobody dead church. Look, they, they were still added to them. There were still numbers added to them. But it wasn't because they had good parking or a nice kids ministry or good coffee. There was none of that stuff. None of that stuff was involved. Let's go, let, let the scripture do the talking. Acts chapter 5. I just want to show you what it says here. Put that on the screen for me, please. Acts chapter number 5. From verse 9. Acts chapter 5 from verse 9. It says, Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will, they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And a young, the young man came in, found her dead, carrying her out, buried her with her husband. So great fear. Do you see that? Great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. So, if, when you hear that if you go to that church as a first-timer and you lie, you will die. Will you go there? That's why nobody dared to join them. That's why, and the scripture recorded that. So, the Holy Spirit was just trying to preserve the holiness of the church. He was showing them that sin will not be tolerated in this place. That this, this is not uh, uh, where we are guessing whether God, God forgave them or God did not. No, no, no. We saw the judgment right away. And it was New Testament. But you, you didn't see that happen again. Are you telling me that Ananias and Sapphira were the only ones that lied ever in the church? No, it was just to show them that this is what, this is how serious this stuff is. This is how serious it is. Now, let me show you. So they still experienced signs and wonders anyway, but it was not, it was as a result of the holiness in the church. So it wasn't that there was no miracles happening or any of those, those things, but it was because of the holiness that they were preserving. Acts chapter 5 again. Let's go to verse 12 now. And let me read it to you. Acts 5 from verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord. You see that again in Solomon's porch. Yet, none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. Can we say that about the church today? He said none of the rest dared join them. So how did they grow? <laughs> if none of the rest dared join them. Because the Lord was the one that was doing the adding. Stay with me here. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Are you with me this morning? The believers were added to who? To the Lord. So it wasn't that, you know, we just do a, a big program, bring a special guest artist, 
you know, to come and sing and so that other people can come and we are, we are adding to the church. The believers were being added to the Lord. That's the only way they could join the church because they were first added to the Lord. So it wasn't an ordinary church where you would just say, oh, I'm going there because everything looks set or everything looks good. I'm, I'm trying to close this series out with this message. It might, it might be strong, but you need to understand this, that this thing that we are a part of is a big deal. It, I don't care how anybody is doing it. We need to look into the book and find out the way that it's supposed to be done. Say amen to this. All right, let's keep going. So it says the believers were added in, increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirit, and they were all healed. So what we are saying is not that miracle is bad or the signs are wonderful, but no, 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 there has to be all of those things, and it will still lead to increase. Look, if you follow God's method, you cannot do better than 3,000 people in one day. <laughs> if you follow God's method, do you understand what I'm talking about? That were added to the church. That's people that were already added to the Lord that were now added to the church in one single service. So, so what we're saying is that if we follow the method that the Bible lays out, we will get the result that the world is looking for. But we have to follow the right method so that we are, we are still referred to as the church of Jesus Christ. So even though there were signs and wonders, people weren't joining the church because of that. No one dared join them, the Bible tells us. God was the one adding to the church. And it was adding to them rapidly because the believers understood that our first job is to go out there and get people added to the Lord and then bring them into the church for them to be established and for them to be discipled. So can we trust God to do the adding? Can we, can we stay focused on what the plan is from the scriptures and trust God? Look, this trusting God business takes time. It takes time. I don't have the time to go into it. The, the time between when the 3,000 were added and the beginning of the church. Don't forget, the beginning of the church was not even that act. It was the prayer of Jesus. And I'll show you that. Before Jesus died, that was the beginning of the church. So imagine between that time and when the book of Acts eventually happened and when the 3,000 were added and when the believers were added every day, it took some time. It is with faith and patience that you inherit the promise. But what might take other people, you know, that, that you, you thought you have gone 10 years and everything just looks funny, in one single day, in one day, God is able to add all that to you. But it will be on the right foundation. It will not be that you are on a shaky ground and then you are, you are wondering what's going on. So these days, it's almost as though if you are not doing church in a certain way, in a particular, it's one of the reasons why, you see, social media bothers me because I understand the power of social media. So I'm not saying that social media has anything wrong with it, but one of the reasons why I'm not bothered is that we have not been posting anything on social media for a long time because I know that social media is not the church. Inside my heart, I know <laughs> that when the time comes, huh? when the time comes, there will be social media. Oh, trust me, you'll be tired. You'll be begging that. Why are you posting like this every day? Relax. There will be social media. But before social media, there has to be roots. There has to be roots. We have to be grounded in what we are doing. We have to understand the, 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 the element of one person reaching another person. That's how the church was founded. It's not by, there was no, imagine there was no Instagram ads. So how were they added? There was nobody doing Instagram ads. The only, I told you, when you hear in those days that word traveled, it means that word got on a boat and traveled somewhere else. <laughs> so there was no, no quick fix way. You couldn't just print a flyer and distribute it to all the postal codes in your area. And everybody just gets it in their house. You know, we're just looking for the easiest ways around this thing. I'm looking for the quickest way. Like what is the, you know, the fastest way to just gather everybody in? 
But the people that will be established are the ones that are added to the Lord. Those are the ones that will be established. And I've seen this thing over and over again. I've seen it over and over again. There are people who are not first added to the Lord. After some time, they will be weary. They will be weary. They can hang around the, the things of God and hang around people who are added to the Lord before they were added to the church. After some time, we will start seeing the difference. Because I'm telling you, this assignment that we are on is a marathon. It takes a lot to stay focused on this thing week after week, week after week. I told you guys before. I mean, this was back then I used to preach this. I told you, I said, every Sunday cannot be epic. You know, say, come to our church every day. is epic, epic, epic. Oh, my pastor is epic. You cannot be epic every Sunday. It's not possible. It's not possible. Even like, even Man City now that wants to, that is about to win the league. They are not playing well every Sunday. Every, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not every week that everything is smooth. No, no. Sometimes you have to, you have to rough it out. You know Man City will enter somehow. You must find a way in. Right? But it can't be epic every, every week. But there are weeks that you slog it out. It's like a whole season. And then maybe you get to your anniversary. That's when there's the trophy. Anniversary, everybody will be celebrating. Oh, we have done it. One year. But there are Sundays where it's just slog it out. Every week you show up. This morning, I don't want to be here. Trust me, I want to be in my bed this morning. <laughs> I do not want to be here. <laughs> but I will do what? Show up. And I will preach as if my life depends on it. That's what you do. Every week you show up. You show up every single week. And you do that consistently. That is how God can trust you. Oh, I'm, I'm everlasting gospel. I'm branching into everlasting gospel. Let's stay with it. Okay? So we have to be careful. When we say, oh, but for PS, it, it works. All this method that you're saying, it works. Huh. Look, it works by whose definition? By whose standard are you saying it works? Because you cannot look. The person who sends you on an errand is the one who can say whether what you are doing is right or wrong. If I tell you now, go on, go on. You know, if someone like me now is my very good example of that. If I tell you, for even that thing, that table there, I tell you, go and put it back. If you put it back and you didn't put it in the circle, I will come by myself and move it into the circle. Because that's what I asked you to do. Uh -huh. So you can get there and just decide by yourself. Like when my wife sends me to Costco, the only thing she sends me to go and buy is paper, paper towel, and toilet roll. By the time I come back home, by the time, and you know Costco, everything will be looking at you. You're not the one looking at it. Though. Everything is just calling you. Chocolate will say, come. There's one cake now that they sell now. Kai, I will come back with various things that she didn't send me. You should look at it that. Ah, who, who begat me all this? <laughs> like, where, where did all this come from? It came from my, the desire of my own heart. And that's what some of us are doing with the church. Jesus sent us on an assignment. Go and make me disciples. We want to turn the thing to pageantry. We want to turn it to fanfare. We want to turn it to all sorts of things. Because that's what is not our own heart that we want to do. No, we, we have to, to stay on track. And remember that this thing, somebody sent us on this errand. And trust God to do the adding by himself. Let's go back to Acts chapter 5 and look at it again. Just for emphasis. From 13 to 14. Yet none of the rest dead joined them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they were first added to the Lord, then they were added to the church. Saving took place outside the church. It was not primarily inside the church. It took place outside the church. If you go down again to verse 46 or thereabout, 46, yep. Yeah, it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 
So the people who were added to the church were people who were being saved and then brought into the fold. If you have KJV, it will say that the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. Bad translation. It was not such as should be saved. The, the rendering of it, the original rendering is, and the Lord added those being saved from day to day to the church. That was the original rendering. So it was not that, you know, this thing of uh, inviting people to church and they get saved in church is the basic entry level. That is the minimum that God expects of us. That you, 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 you can't preach, the, but you cannot also hand a flyer to somebody, then something is wrong. Then we have to check that out. And we have to be sincere with ourselves in this thing. That what he expects of us is to actually get people saved and then bring them into the fold. But you can't do that. And you can't still say, can you come to church? Even if you don't have to say anything. And somebody a flyer and walk away. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's the easiest. And the person comes to church and hear a message, uh, uh, an evangelistic message or whatever message, and they get saved. That is still to your account. And I've stressed this over and over again, that this is the practice of Christianity. This is how we build muscle. It's not by sitting down in church. You can become obese by sitting down in church. You can actually become spiritually obese, which is that you are just feeding. You are just feeding. And after a while, this is why people get to the point where they feel like, what, what, what else? What else is there? Because you have heard so many messages, but you have done nothing with it. Nothing. No exercise whatsoever. No, no, not tried to actually practice what you have heard. In practicing what you have heard, you will use up some of the things that you have heard. Then you will see that this is not actually enough. I need to understand more about this. Because people will start asking you questions. Real tangible questions that will push you <laughs> to go back to your Bible and say, okay, how shall we understand this clearly? So let me, let me clarify here this thing that I was saying last Sunday about the church. Look. The church of Jesus Christ is the saints. Please write this down. The church is the saints. The saints are the church. When we say church, we are talking about the, the people who are believers. Now, the church is for the unsaved. Are you with me? So, the church is the saints, but it is for the unsaved. That's why unbelievers are allowed to come into the church. Because that's how they're going to get saved. But when Jesus is coming back, who is he coming back for? The saints. Because this is why he said two will be walking together. One will be taken, one will be left. Because one believed and the other one was just hanging around another person that believed. That's what's going on. So there, there are a lot of people who, who go to churches who, you know, maybe my parents are going, they're dragging me there. Or, you know, my neighbor is going, it's just easier, just sit down in his car. I'll just go. After all, it's music and, you know, just we'll go. And they'll sit down and they'll come back home. And you can do that as a routine for many years. And you have heard the salvation message so many times. You've, you've seen altar call so many times. You have repeated it, the prayer so many times, without actually believing in your heart. You have repeated it when we say, let's pray together. Everybody repeat it. <laughs> you have done it so many times. So you think you are saved. And what will happen is that on that day when Jesus shows up, the person who actually believes, you might be in the same car going home. After service, carpooling, going home together. Huh? And the driver will just disappear. Then you sit down in the driver's seat and look. Uh-uh. <laughs> this is not a Tesla. What's going on here? Then all the people will be hunting at the back. <laughs> and say, move, move, move. Because that one too is unbeliever. He doesn't, he's not, so he's inside the car. You know, everybody starts vanishing. Then you'll be wondering what's going on. This is a real event that is going to happen. And the reason why one will be taken and one will be left is that one believed and one did not. So don't be a victim of hanging around this him. You know hanging around this him. I made that word up. 
you are hanging around, you know, the faith, but you actually don't believe it. This is crucial. So we have to understand that Jesus is coming back for the church. The church is the saints. But the church is also a hospital. It's a care center. So we are not saying that there has to be perfect people in the church, that only perfect people are allowed. No, 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 no. Everybody is welcome because the church is a hospital. So you can see, you know, somebody, I mean, I've, I've gave this example many times. We used to have a gentleman here who, who, uh, who used to smoke. I mean, he will come to church and before the service is over, he has to go like two or three times to go and smoke. Uh, me, I know because as I'm looking, he's not going to the bathroom, he's just going outside. Then he will come back, you know, with peppermint in his mouth. Say, ah, oh, this guy, this guy's going to do something. But I never confronted him, never. But I could tell that the other people were uncomfortable. Who felt like, ah, somebody who's smoking does not be in church. <laughs> you don't know anything. It's just like going to, going to the, the hospital, uh, General Hospital, Suri Memorial, or any hospital. You are going, because <laughs> that's where my, my son, my first son was born. You go to Suri Memorial Hospital, and you are passing the front of Suri Memorial, and you see people that are doing like this, uh, walking in like this, and you say, oh, what a sorry sight. You see how stupid that is? It's a hospital, duh, duh. It's a, it's a hospital. That's what church is. So if somebody outside who is smoking, like, you should be clapping. Duh. Thank God that this person actually came. And they can sit down and be hearing the word. What is dangerous, which is why I used that parking lot illustration last week, is that some people just show up, they never sit under the word. But the word is the instrument. They never, they avoid it by all means. So enter the parking lot, put on my jacket, just do my, my thing and go away. Never got saved, never comes in, never interacts with the word in any way. That guy is not saved. And so when Jesus returns, uh, there will be drama there will be drama. I'm telling you, there will be drama. People will, people will go, and people will come back now call prayer meeting. Say, ah, oh, look at, you will not be among them in Jesus' name. Because some people will be left behind. They will literally be left behind. And the, me, I would have gone, no, since. First flight, I'm out of here. I would have gone since. So they'll be looking for a pastor, be calling me. My phone will just be ringing. Ringing like, you do find my iPhone. He's in heaven. I'm gone. I'm not here. So, please, I want this to stick with us. I'm, I'm, I'm packing the bus here. Please, let this stick with you. Make sure that you understand this. Not just for today, but for anywhere you find yourself, anywhere you go. The church is the saints, but the church is for the unsaved. Glory be to God. So, let's keep going here. Point number three. We're talking, point number two, rather. We're talking about the, the things the early church was known for from the word of God. Number two is their commitment to prayer. Commitment to prayer. The church was founded on the prayers of Jesus. This is what I was saying before. John chapter 14 verse 16. This is where it begins. It says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. That's why the church was born when the Holy Spirit came. But the Holy Spirit came at the request of Jesus Christ. That was the beginning. And then earlier he had also prayed for the believers. He prayed for the believers present and future which was what formed the bedrock of the church. That's, that prayer is in John chapter 17. John 17 from verse 20 to 23. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So this was the foundation of the church. This was what the prayer that Jesus prayed that made the church in, in, in the book of Acts look like everything was one, one, one accord, one accord, one accord. Do you see how many times Jesus Christ prayed it here? Make them one, just as we are one. They've got to be one. So after he left and the Holy Spirit came, they continued in the spirit of prayer. I will run through some scriptures in the book of Acts. 
you have read the scriptures, you know them, but I want to show you that there was a culture of prayer in this early church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They were known for constant, persistent prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. If we look at that in the Amplified Classic, it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the assembly. Persistently made to God. So the church were all in agreement that they needed to pray for Peter. There's nobody saying, you know, all this prayer, we don't even, you know, they relied on prayer. Every time they were in any challenging situation, the same thing, Paul and Silas, it was all about prayer. That was the culture of the church. Because, you see, nothing, nothing irks Jesus more than a prayerless church. Oh, he can't stand it. He can't stand it. And he showed us, he showed us in Matthew 21, he showed us an example while he was on earth, that this is something that gets him really upset. Matthew 21, Jesus went into the temple from verse 12 to verse 13. Jesus went into the temple of God, drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of, th of, of thieves. So, I mean, there was, there was other references that Jesus could have made. But what was really getting him upset was that this is supposed to be a house of prayer. This is what the scripture says. And what they were doing back then, it was not just because they were selling and, you know, you need to study it out to understand it. Look, there were people who literally, some of the, the so-called, you know, uh, um, leaders in the church, they will, they will have the sacrifice, their own sacrifice ready in the corner. When you bring your own, they'll say, no, it has blemish. It has blemish. Go and buy a new one. Oh, it's the owner, it's his business. So the ones, they are clean, spotless. Go and buy that one. This one is not qualified. Take then you will go, you go and buy. That's what he was angry about. Yeah, so it wasn't just that, you know, he's just going to church and people are just mad for no reason. No, no, no. And he made that reference to the house of prayer because that is what the church is supposed to be. That's what the church is supposed to be known for, to be called the house of prayer. So we are not, we are not tired of praying. We are not the people that when they start praying, they say, oh, like this. Oh, 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 looking no, no, no. That's not, you have to understand that prayer is the reason why the church exists. And this was what stood the early church out. There was a commitment to what? To prayer. Glory be to God. Let's keep moving. Number three, what were they committed to? They were committed to oneness. And this is where we'll spend the rest of our time. They were committed to the concept and the idea of being one, which was what Jesus prayed that the church would be. Acts chapter number two again. Acts chapter two. Let's go to verse 40 this time. Verse 40, we'll read all the way to 47. It says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received this word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then the Lord added to the church daily those who were being 
saved. So the early church was all about one accord. And if you look up that expression, one accord, it means one purpose or mind. One purpose or mind. They were all of one purpose, one mind. It appears multiple times in the book of Acts regarding the apostles. Acts 1.14, Acts 2.1, Acts 2.46, Acts 4.24, Acts 5.12, Acts 15.25. It was always one accord. They were in one accord. There was no me, but we. They were, they were working for the same purpose. They were working for the same purpose. Reminds me of, again, these preachers that I was talking about in the beginning. Their conversation continued. And it was a small town, right? And they were, it, was, it was like they were the only two preachers in the, in the old town, you know, from separate denominations. And they were having this conversation. And they were saying, oh, so how is your congregation now? Are you, you know, and they said, oh, yeah. Uh, there is, how many active members do you have? Said, oh, there are about 50 now. What? In this small community? Oh, you're doing so good. That is amazing. To have 50 active members. So the other pastor looked at him and said, it depends on what you mean by active. There are 25 of them who are actively working for me. There are 25 who are actively working against me. So it depends on what you mean by active. Uh And you can have a church that is full of people, (laughs) but half of the church are actively working for the purpose. But the other half are doing what? Actively working against the pastor. Actively working against that. Those are the people that... In fact, let me know, because if I start using an example now, you will... It will hit some, some bullets will, will fly. So let's keep going. Acts chapter 4. Let's start it up. Acts chapter 4 from verse 23 to 25. It says, and being let go. So this, we're talking about this concept of oneness. They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David had said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? So they were always in one accord, one company. They had their company. They were together. There was one purpose, one mind. Like we said at the start of this series, the two or three formed the ecclesia, which is the governing authority of heaven on the earth. They were to take decisions of the church as final. And this is where I'm going to close. They were to take decisions of the church as final in resolving conflicts. We'll look at that in Matthew chapter 18. Dimeji, come and play. I, I, I will sound more spiritual when you play. I sound, I sound more anointed. So we can start to learn this play now. Matthew 18 from verse 15 to 17. Moreover, it says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Pay, pay attention to this. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, the ecclesia. Take with you one or two more by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. So go to the general assembly. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So he was telling them that when you are trying to resolve conflict or all of those things, the decision of the church should actually be taken as the final word. That's what he was talking about. That that should be taken as the final authority. Jesus expected that if a brother is truly a believer, he would respect the intervention of the church. After you have tried with one, you've tried with two. If the church intervenes, that a true believer will actually respect it. Then he went on, put that scripture back. He went on and he said, if he doesn't agree with you, if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, when you read that, you, you think of him saying, forget about the person. If you have tried the church, forget. That, that's what it sounds like. But that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's talking about. So what you need to ask yourself is this. How did Jesus treat the heathen and the tax collector? That's the question you need to ask yourself. This Matthew that's writing this thing was a tax collector. <laughs> 
So how did Jesus treat him? That's what you need to ask yourself. So he wasn't saying forget about them. He was saying go back to the beginning and, and assume that that brother is an unbeliever so that you can, you can get him saved. That's what he was talking about. So when you, when, when you see somebody who does not respect the decision of the church as a final word, that person is actually not yet a it. So that's what he was talking about. That now you need to revert to, to type one <laughs> and start from the beginning because this guy needs to now be treated as a hidden and a tax collector who needs to be pursued for the God, who needs to, who needs to be pursued for God and, and be saved. That's what he was saying. So this is, this is very crucial. So you can accuse the early church of not having enough faith because I mean, I've taught this before. Acts chapter 12. This is a very interesting story in Acts chapter 12. I'll read it from the Amplified because it's, it, it's, it, it uses the words that I like. It says, when he realized that this is Peter, you know, when they were praying for Peter, right? And we said yeah, they were full of prayer. But some of that prayer, faith wasn't involved. Uh -huh. But one thing that was involved is this thing called oneness that we're talking about. He says, when he realized that what had happened, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many believers were gathered together and were praying continually and had been praying all night. Let me ask you, if I ask you to come to church and let's pray all night, will you come? Yes, yes, now, when the time comes, I'll be getting text, left, right, and center. Now your, your phone will be buzzing, text. Pastor, sorry. Pastor, sorry. Pastor, sorry. <laughs> you know, and after a while, you get used to those, that thing. But the, the point is that they were actually praying. Everybody agreed that they needed to show up and pray. Let's keep going. Look at the next thing. When he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she failed to open the gate. But ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gateway. They said to her, you are out of your mind. These are people that were praying for the release of Peter. And they were shaking their head. These were people that were praying that Peter would be released. As they were praying this prayer, in their mind, they had more faith in the power of Herod to kill than to save Peter. They, uh, in their mind, this Peter that we are praying about, he's already dead. Peter, there's no way he's coming out. This Herod, Herod has already killed him. So they, they were praying. But the truth is that even though there was no faith, they still agreed that we needed to pray. You didn't see any one of them there saying, why are we praying? There's no need to pray. There's no, 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 no. no. They, were, they were in one accord. Always in one accord. There was always that agreement. And God could work with that. He could work with that. Because God had already made provision for this with the prayers of Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, the devil has planned to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. So even before their own involvement, God had already sorted the matter out. Because he knew that faith might be an issue, but the, the, the togetherness and the oneness of the church was never in question. And we have to be that church. That the, the people can accuse us of anything, but never of love and togetherness. Never. Not that, you know, oh, some people, you know, like there's so many things that you see in church and you just wonder that. Do we look at the Bible and understand what Jesus actually asked us to do and what the church was meant to do? So they were always one. Just like Jesus prayed, this should be our prayer and it should be our goal. Men, women, they were one. Black, white, purple, yellow, they were one. Young and old, they were one. Rich and they waiting to be rich. <laughs> they were all one. By the way, that song that you, that you sang, uh, right now in the good times and blessed. Yeah, so for a Christian, there's no bad day. Because all things work together for good. Yeah, to them that love God. So when you sing that song, I know they, that's what they use, but replace it with the good times and blessed. Because it's going to work out together for your good. That's just by the way. That's free of charge. I'm not charging you for that one. Okay? 
tall and short, they were all one. Single and married, they were one. That is the mindset that we must carry. And that is the idea that we must, we must present to God and be prayerful about this. And say, God, you need to make us one. So let me ask you again, as we tie it up. Let me ask you again. Would you join this church with everything that you now know about this church? It's not just about killing people. <laughs> Would you join this church? Stand to your feet and let's pray. We're going to do it a bit differently this morning. I want you to lift up your own voice as a praying church and let's pray for this local church, this local assembly and ask God to make us one. Ask him to make us one. Please lift up your voice and pray. I want to hear you praying, please. Make us one, Lord. Make us one. Make us one, just like Jesus prayed that we will be one. One in every area. Every generation, one. Young and old, one. Black and white, young, one. Everybody that steps into this place, that we will love on people with the love of God. Make us committed to holiness, unapologetically committed to holiness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, sin will have no place in our midst. Sin will find no expression in our midst. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes on the ball. Lord, make us a praying church. Make us a praying church that we are committed to holiness. And this is the reputation that we have. That we are committed to a life of prayer. Committed to oneness. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody thinking they are better than another person. In the name of Jesus. Can we pray this prayer for the church universal? Let's pray for the church of Jesus Christ and declare that the church is marching on. The church is going forward. The church is moving on. It's moving forward. No better yesterday for the church. Going from glory to glory. Going from glory to glory. Because that's what the scripture says. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every struggling branch of this church. Strengthened. Every feeble knee strengthened. In the name of Jesus. Strengthened in the name of Jesus Christ. So shall it be. In Jesus mighty name we are prayed. Lift up your hands. Let me pray for you. Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for every single person. Under the sound of my voice. Those that are in this room with us, those watching on, on, online, and those listening on, on, on the podcast, I pray for you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, as a member of this global assembly of believers, every labor that you have ever labored in the kingdom of God, I declare this season your time of harvest. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I declare that every time you need a seed to speak on your behalf, because we serve a God that will owe no man anything. I pray for you that every harvest that you require per time will show up in your life in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every seed you have sown will not just germinate, it will bear fruits, fruits that will abound onto your account. I declare that every hurt that you have suffered in the past, that the Lord heals you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every abuse of the past, I declare them nullified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare that the latter rain has come upon you and there is a newness, there's an awakening in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will serve God with new favor, with new fire, with new desire in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for all your families in the name of Jesus. You are protected in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The hand of God is upon you, is upon every marriage in this room, every marriage that is associated with this church, every marriage that is that is in the process of being, of being blessed and joined. In the name of Jesus, you are preserved. You are a blessing to the church. You are a blessing to your generation. 
as a couple, your, your, your destiny on the earth together is to be a blessing to the world. You will be a blessing in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Resources will not hinder you. Bad health will not hinder you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for your kids, those who are, who are running around and those yet unborn that are on their way. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be mighty arrows in the hand of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Children, the Bible says, are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. In the name of Jesus Christ, if you require this reward, I declare under this anointing today, receive it right now. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said you are rewarded right now for every labor you have spent in the kingdom. Take this as your reward right now. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I pray specifically for every single one of you that give to make Believer's House and Believer's Heritage Ministries a success and what it is today. I pray for you, you will never lack. Every time you require finances, it will show up for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your protection is guaranteed. Your preservation is guaranteed. Your provision is right around the corner and you will see it in due time. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you go today, there will be no emergencies in your home. There will be no running around. You will, you will sleep in peace. You will wake up in peace. In the name of Jesus Christ. So shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Can you celebrate Believer's House? Can you celebrate the Lord? Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.